0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Acts, the 10th chapter. We're continuing a series, Global Power, or Gospel Power, Global Impact, as we see what God did in the early church in the book of Acts. Just as a side note, next year, Lord willing, we'll be visiting Israel again. There's information uh, at the welcome desk where you can pick that up. I hope you'll plan to travel with us because these cities that we're talking about and the events that happened around those cities, you're gonna get to be there. In fact, last time we were in Israel, We flew into Tel Aviv and then stayed in a hotel overlooking the Mediterranean in Joppa. And then the next morning, got up, traveled from Joppa up to Caesarea. And what we are looking at today, events that took place happened in those two. Uh, Caesarea was a city, a large city. Uh, Joppa was just a small uh, seaport Uh, really a village, fishing village. Uh, You'll remember it, Old Testament. Uh, It was there that Jonah the prophet went, uh, inconspicuous place. He got on a boat and he thought, I'll just sail away and God can deal with Nineveh. Not realizing, no, you sail away from the will of God, Jonah, I'm gonna deal with you. In fact, I've got a big fish. I've got a whale out there and, and he's hungry and he's waiting for you unless you turn around and come back. And so, uh, these are real places where real people walked, our Lord, His servants, and I'm so thankful uh, that we can look at these events and learn so much from God's Word. Hope you're ready to take some notes today in your bulletin there. I hope there's a sermon note sheet. We've done some things to encourage our young people uh, to uh, take notes, but uh, they ought to be able to look down the the. Uh, aisle there, or or look down the pew and see you uh, with your pen ready so that you can glean, remember, uh, and use later what God has for us today. Now in the previous message, the Lord had us consider this question, how do you view the lost, especially those who are not like you? I just wonder this week, As you've been uh, around your uh, daily schedules and driving around and so on, did you view the lost, including those who are not like you, did you view them differently? And then how did you respond to them? It was the very issue that the Lord had to expose in the Apostle Peter's heart. Here's a disciple who had walked with the Lord had interacted with a lot of people, had done ministry, but the reality was those that he had interacted with were mainly Jews. And so reaching Jews with the gospel, well, he had that. He understood that. He was involved in that. But when it came to Gentiles, well, he tapped the brakes a little bit. The way he was raised the way uh, the average, devout Jew thought about the Gentile world. And so God had to deal with his heart before Peter would be willing to enter the home of a Roman centurion and share the gospel. Now when this heartwork was done in Peter's life, that was our last message, the story moves forward to show us the critical steps that must happen with any conversion. In fact, I would say that these are the steps that happened when you got saved. There were things that took place maybe that you haven't even thought about. Maybe you've taken them for granted, but I can guarantee these steps were there to bring you to saving faith. Of course, it's the work of God, but God has a plan for each of us to draw him to himself, and this is the plan. It's here presented in a Gentile context. We've already seen this pattern, what God does to bring people to salvation, but it's always been in a Jewish context or as with the Ethiopian, uh, a proselyte Jew, but this is different. This is a Gentile. And so God has to help his apostle. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or otherwise, faith in Christ comes by hearing the word of God. Consider again Romans 10:14. And this week as I was studying, this past week as I was studying, this verse that I could quote to you really came into a different light for me in light of Acts chapter 10 and what we find there. What does Acts 10:14 say? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Now let's just stop. The essence of the gospel is you have to believe the gospel in order to be saved. It's not your good works. It's not your church membership. It's not your own righteousness that's going to get you to heaven. Please put that out of your mind. If you continue to think that way, if you believe that, that will have eternal consequences. You won't make it to heaven. So we have to believe. But now here are the steps. And this this verse kind of took an outline form for me in light of what we're going to see in a little bit in, in Acts 10. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Now, as I look at that verse, that phrase right there, it reminds me of this. Someone is going to have to access an unbeliever's life in order for them to be saved. There's going to have to be interaction. Somebody's going to have to do it. Now, we have a tendency as Christians to think, well, I agree. I hope somebody does that. That's wrong thinking. If God shows you someone who needs the gospel is because God intends for you to try to access that life and give them the gospel. How shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? Somebody's going to have to go. And then how shall they hear without a preacher? That word means proclaimer. Aha, uh-huh, I knew it. It was my pastor's job. No, 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 no. A proclaimer. Okay, so someone is going to have to proclaim The gospel, access a life and speak the truth, the truth of the gospel. Salvation is a result of believing, but first a soul must hear, again, access to the life, then the message of salvation must be proclaimed. That's how God then prepares the heart to believe. Now access to someone with the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, believing is what a person needs. And again, their eternity depends on it. Just think about your own salvation story. Most of us immediately can think about someone who accessed our life. Maybe God allowed a parent to be there. Maybe it was a next door neighbor or a co-worker. Maybe it was some faithful folks from a local church that came by your door and sought access, not just into your home, but into your life to share the gospel. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So eternity depends on it. This is exactly what happens in Romans 10 in the life of this Gentile soldier by the name of Cornelius. And so I've entitled the message Critical Steps to Conversion. Critical Steps to Conversion. Now, recently, one of our ladies had a serious heart attack. And I am familiar with what happened when that happened. Her husband responded immediately with the assistance of a 911 dispatcher. Immediately, EMTs were there uh, to take up where the husband was working on her. Praise the Lord, she has pulled through. But the only way she was saved. You with me? People were willing to access her life and very directly make a difference. And God used it. She's alive today. Would you agree with me when it comes to eternity, the urgency of interacting with others that we might have an opportunity to share the gospel so that they might be saved, that it is that important? A person can live to be a hundred, but without Jesus. What does a prophet a man or a woman if they gain the whole world and then lose their soul? What what can they give in exchange for their soul? And so I, I know that you're with me this morning how critical this is, these steps to conversion. And so we pick up our text in Acts 10. Look at verse 19. While Peter thought, he pondered on that vision. Remember the dream that he had of the things coming down in a a big sheet like a sail? uh, And these are living things. And the Lord says, Peter, rise, kill and eat. And he looks at what's in the sheet and there are some unclean animals in there according to Moses' law. And because they're in there, everything else in there is unclean too. And what's his spiritual response? Not so, Lord. Not gonna do it. Three times the Lord tries to get through to him. Do what I say. And now he is, the sheet's taken up, the dream is over. He's pondering this. What what did I just see? What, What did the Lord just say? Okay, the Spirit then says to him at that very moment, behold, three men seek thee. Verse 20, arise therefore And get thee down. Go downstairs. He's up on the rooftop uh, where there's a breeze probably coming off the Mediterranean. Good place to wait for lunch. All right. Go downstairs. Go with them, doubting nothing. Uh, Those words together, literally in the Greek, mean don't be double minded. That's what it means. Don't be double minded. Don't waver. Don't think about what you think is right and what I've just told you to do. Don't don't do that. Just side with me and do what I said. For I have sent them. Now when it comes to gospel work, preachers have to deal with this in their own hearts. I must be a witness for Christ. Christ. But we struggle when we look at God's flock and how many of God's people actually take this seriously. When it comes to gospel work, stop pondering, stop wavering. Souls are seeking, so answer the call. Just go. Say, well, I have physical limitations, well, you have ways that you can get the gospel out. How many of you have ever heard of a letter and a stamp? Okay. Now, stamps are these golden things that cost about $500 now. Okay. <laughs> I, I know it's expensive, but but it's worth sending a letter to somebody who needs the gospel. There's this thing called the internet and email. Yeah. You can do it that way. And many other ways, just access somebody else that you know. Get them the gospel if they're unsaved. Or maybe it's someone you've just met. Answer the call. Verse 21, then Peter came down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause, wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear uh, words of thee. Now keep this verse in mind, and here's why. When Peter eventually arrives at Cornelius' house, he asks this same question again, okay? What cause do you have coming for me? All right, what do you expect from me? Peter gets his answer here. He's going to ask the same question for another reason a little bit later on. But here's what I want us to focus on in verse 22. Would you underline that word warned? Warned from God. That's an interesting word. If you follow how that word is also used in the New Testament, uh, you might want to write down this cross-reference. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 12. This is a serious warning. In Matthew 2.12, you remember the wise men stop in Jerusalem. They find out where the Christ child is to be born, five miles south, Bethlehem. They go there. They worship the Christ child. And then they go to sleep in that night in a dream again. They're warned by God. There's your word. Warned, don't go back to Herod. Same word. Also, in Hebrews 11 and verse 7, we're told Noah lived by faith, and he was warned of God to build an ark to save his family. Warned. What about those warnings? Well, if the warnings hadn't been heeded, there would have been a very serious result. So once again, here's Cornelius. Look at look at this guy. A just man, one that fears God, of good report among all the nation of the Jews. Well, he must be on his way to heaven. By the way, there are professing Christians that think that. Well, you know, obviously there's some spiritual sensitivity. Ah, they're saved. No. No. With Cornelius, we saw that there were a lot of things in his life that evidenced he was searching for God, but he was lost. And, in fact, he was so lost that when the Lord comes to him or sends an angel, what is the angel bringing? Are you listening? A warning. Cornelius, you are not ready for eternity. It was a warning. A few weeks ago, we saw that God knows you're seeking. He is working out his plan to save you if you are not already a believer. But be warned your good works aren't enough to save you. And it doesn't matter how many denominations say, you're good, you're not ready. That's what the Bible says. You need to hear the words of the gospel. That's what Cornelius needed. The angel told Cornelius, he needed to hear words from Peter. Peter. Now, verse 23, then called he them in and lodged them. Oh, what an important part of the story here. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, remember I said that the first step to conversion is access to someone so that you can give them the gospel message. Peter has the message, and now he grants these men access into This home that doesn't even belong to him, it's it's Simon uh, the Tanners. But he invites them in, now they have access to him, he has access to them. And so our first point this morning is this, access has been granted. Access has been granted. When the scripture says Simon lodged Peter, chapter 10, verse 6. Invited Peter, the apostle, in, right? And in fact, where we pick up the story, lunch is being made. So part of lodging was caring for feeding. Now Peter offers to lodge these Gentiles in Simon's home for the purpose of also feeding them. Remember, it's lunchtime. He's not going to invite them in, and will you guys sit over there because I'm hungry and, and when I'm done, I'll no, no. Uh, What's understood here is they're all going to get fed. What makes me smile is this wasn't Peter's house. (laughs) Uh, Imagine after church this morning, hey, can we come over and I want to bring some people with me for lunch. Excuse me? That's, That's what happens here. But because these Christians are so focused on this opportunity and what God is doing. Okay, all right. It reminds me of a biblical doctrine called hospitality. Do you know why God gave you your home? Invite people in so you can have access into their lives to give them the gospel. I enjoy having Christians over. It's, uh, we have so much in common in Christ, right? Have you ever thought about inviting someone lost into your home? Your neighbors. The whole point is, get them in a setting where you can have access to them to be able to give the gospel. By the way, we're going to see later, if they invite you into their home, Go, go. Well, what about what? No, 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 no. If it gives you an opportunity to give them the gospel, God's granting access. Look, this needs to be our mindset as ambassadors of Christ. All right, so access has been granted. Now, something significant is happening here. Look at the first part of chapter 10, verse 28. All right, let's just take a look at that (laughs) Uh, together. And he said unto them, ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation but God. So Peter is quoting what the Jews think that the law says. But God has other ideas. Isn't it amazing? We can quote the Bible and think we're, you better know what the Bible is saying and what God means. And so, Peter doesn't completely understand what God is doing here, but he is willing now to obey, which means he must treat these Gentiles as equal with himself. So they're preparing lunch for Peter, and now it's a group that are eating And most of the group are Gentiles. An important part of leading a person to Christ is to see them as they are and to grant them access to your life, to my life. By granting access, watch this, Peter was setting aside societal distinctions to follow sovereign directions. You willing to do that? Not so, Lord. Was now, Lord, I will follow. I remember trying to reach a man in the city, and we had interacted. He had come to the church for for help. He wanted assistance, and and I'll I'll be kind when I say this, but as we talked, it became very evident to me because my sniffer works despite COVID that he probably hadn't had a shower in a long time. But he also hadn't had a meal in a long time. And so you know what the Lord said to me? Take him to lunch. Okay. Lord, are we going to be the only ones in the restaurant? No, I I didn't. Okay. Of course not. And so we walked into the restaurant, sat down. I gave him a good meal. He devoured it. I don't know when the last time was he had eaten. But why did God have me do that? I needed an opportunity. I needed to let him have access to me, me to have access to him because he needed the gospel. So we had a meal together. I shared with him the gospel. He wasn't convinced he needed to be saved. So I gave him gospel literature. Our visit was done. But that's what God wanted me to do. I don't know how God will lead you or whose path you will cross. But will you allow them to have access? Our choir sings a song. I love this song. It reminds us people are longing to hear of the Savior. Children are growing not knowing he cares. Lord, help me tell them about your compassion. Where can I be used? Lord, help me serve. Lord, help me follow. Show me a place, a purpose to fill. Teach me to serve. Teach me to follow. Use me to do thy will. Verse 23 continues. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanying him. Now in the next chapter, chapter 11, verse 12, Peter ends up having to go to Jerusalem and to explain to the prejudiced Christian Jews who are up there that this was all of God and this was legitimate. Imagine that. Well, remember, God had to convince Peter, too. Chapter 11, verse 12, Peter tells the brethren in Jerusalem that six brethren went with him. Why did Peter take these others with him? Well, this is groundbreaking. This is significant. And some of the brethren in Jerusalem, Peter knew, were stuck in their prejudices as Peter had been, and they wouldn't understand. So he needed witnesses. So these are witnesses to whatever God is about to do. Verse 24, and on the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea. Now keep up with the timing here. This is two days after Peter invites them in and they lodge there in Simon the Tanner's house. Two days. Now, not two days that they stay there. They've been traveling two days. Do you know how many miles it is from Joppa up the coast to Caesarea? Peter and this group walk 30 miles to get back to Cornelius' house. Oh, there's some lessons there for us, right? Evangelism is gospel work. It will require your time, your effort. It's going to change your schedule. What is amazing to me is that while Peter asked questions of Cornelius' servants when they came to Joppa, Cornelius didn't ask any questions when they finally get to his house. He was ready to grant access to Peter and his companions. In fact, he had already invited his family and friends to hear Peter. He doesn't know exactly when Peter is going to get there, but he's invited his family, friends, and they're all sitting there. They're just waiting for church to start. Now, that's not the way they were thinking about it. But God had, had said to Cornelius by an angel, go get Peter. All right, if it's, if it's that important that I hear this warning, let me get all my friends, let me get all my family, and they're all sitting in there, they're waiting. Door opens, it's Peter, it's his servants, it's these other Jews, and it's like, okay, been waiting for you guys, come in, come in. And Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen, his near friends. Now what happens next was instructive for Cornelius and for Peter. All right, well, let Peter just, just enter and, and, and get to share in the gospel. The, the, the stage has been set. But watch what happens, verse 25. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. <laughs> Uh-oh. But Peter took him up saying, stand up, helps him up. Stand up. I myself am also a man. And then, verse 27, they're talking together. I think immediately, of course, Cornelius has to have his thinking corrected. And so they start talking about what the angel said to Cornelius, what the Lord said to Peter. I mean, it's time to catch up on all that has happened. But I believe part of that conversation was this. Peter begins to instruct Cornelius why only God should be worshipped. Cornelius, that's that record straight. No. I smile. I've been privileged to lead people to the Lord, and I hear them tell somebody later, he saved me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, hold on. No, that's not what happened. I told you how to be saved. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, no, no no we don't save anything only god does the saving but we have to help believers new believers especially with that and and by the way lost people think this way oh you're a man of the cloth never quite figured out what that means okay I really you know i don't even hang, carry a handkerchief to you know, so i what what cloth are you t- and and i don't own one of those collars okay i so what what all right. But but we they call him father, and, and in places like the Philippines, and we've got several Filipino brethren here, you know that when representatives from the Vatican come to the they, they'll bow down, they'll kiss the ring. Oh, it's idolatry. Peter's not going to have any of that. He says, I also am a man. Now this I think, is used by God again to remind Peter to have the attitude that every soul winner needs to have. What is that? We're all sinners who are saved by grace if we believed on Christ. It doesn't matter anybody else's nationality. I was on my way to hell one day, just like they may be, Especially if they haven't been saved, they are, Okay. And so, was I any more deserving of salvation than, than, than they? Or, No, no, no. We are all dying people trying to get the gospel to other dying people. The difference is, though this body is dying, Jesus lives inside me, so I won't face death. He took my death on himself. And someday I'm going to get a new body, hallelujah, uh, but, but Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Hello, that's me. Okay, and so Peter is being reminded by these things to have the right attitude. Look, it doesn't matter if I am an apostle; I'm just a man. All of God's servants called to do uh, all of all of God's servants. Called to do any task, are in the end still God's servants. This exchange was also a good reminder for Peter. He was only a man. Now we're not surprised that Cornelius thought this way. Why? Because he was serving an emperor that the empire thought he was a god. So this, this was common thinking, and, and, and God uses this event. Uh, to change the thinking. So verse 27 continues, he, Peter, went in with Cornelius and found many that were come together. Verse 28, he said unto them, ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one uh, of another nation. Now I said, Peter, why did you have to say that? Well, he needed to say it because they knew what the Jews thought about them. And so he's just addressing whatever arguments might be in there. This man, sent from God, thinks he's better than us. Peter says, all right, you know what the thinking is, but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. All right, so that just got moved off of the table. That's thinking, okay, this guy doesn't think he's better than me. Are you listening? If you're going to be a soul winner, if you're going to have access to people's lives to give them the gospel, don't ever communicate that. Don't ever have that attitude. There are some Christians that, yeah, you need to be saved so you can be like me. No, you need to be saved so that you can be like Jesus. All right, now remember we learned that this was the primary lesson from the dream that the Lord had given Peter. Look at verse 29. Therefore, because of what the Lord showed me, this is what Peter is is saying, all right, came I unto you without gain saying. All right, now what does that word mean? I came to you, that 30-mile walk, I came immediately without raising any objections to God. That's what he's saying. All right. Initially, I struggled with what that dream was telling me, but when the Spirit of God said, go to Cornelius, I didn't say another word. As soon as I was sent for. Now, Peter had objected. But when the Holy Spirit told him to meet with Cornelius, he immediately obeyed. Aren't you thankful that God is patient with your objections? Especially the ones that reveal your prejudices? God, I I can't do that. Have you seen that person? Do you hear how they talk? Do Do you hear the things they joke about? No, Lord, Lord, go. And it's our flesh. Our flesh raises those things and we just need to say to God, Lord, that thinking is wrong. I will obey. I'll go. Now, I don't know what's gonna happen when I get there. The ladies sang about that this morning. Ladies, thank you for that number. Wow. Those circumstances, I don't necessarily know, but God said go. He's got this. He'll take care of it. I need to have the mind of a gospel servant. I need to go. Sometimes we forget that God is always right. His will is always best. But when we surrender our will to his divine will, he's still willing to use us. Remember we talked about Jonah a little while ago? Isn't it amazing? God was still willing to use Jonah. Jonah. The guy gets puked up on the shore. Still doesn't have a good attitude. Goes to Nineveh, preaches, and then stands outside to see if there's going to be anybody saved. Wait a minute. They're getting saved. God, it's hot out here, all right? I'll grow you a big gourd. And then when the gourd dies, now my attitude's back. I'm upset again. God's like, Jonah. But here's the question, did God use Jonah? He did. And by the way, later Jonah will write Jonah so everybody can see what a lousy attitude he had. And I don't think that was the the prophet's attitude anymore. Look, God wants to use you. He knows you've got flesh. Confess those wrong thoughts to the Lord. Confess your prejudices to God. But then go see what God will do. Now this concludes the first section of our text. Access was granted first by Peter in Joppa and then by Cornelius in his home in Caesarea so that the next vital thing can happen to Cornelius, his household, those servants as well, and his friends. Access was granted. Now the gospel can be presented. So here's our second point. We're not going to have time for it today, but the gospel gets presented. The gospel gets presented. Let me wrap up. As we conclude, let me ask you a question. Do sinners have access to you so that you can declare the gospel message to them? Do they have access to you so that you can give the gospel to them? I think one of the most powerful stories that the Lord told was the story of the Good Samaritan. How many of you remember that story? Oh, it is convicting, convicting, convicting. First of all, you have religious people who are looked to as being spiritual. The priest, the Levite, But there's a man that's on his way down to Jericho and he falls among thieves. And those thieves beat him lifeless and take what he has. Now, be practical. Why did they beat him that way? Well, we don't want the guy to live and then to be able to identify who we are. They intended to kill him. And they leave him for dead. Just walk away. And then people start passing him. A priest, a Levite. All right, so the spiritual leaders and those who assist the spiritual leaders, and what happens? They pass by on the other side. But then this Samaritan comes and remember the point of why a Samaritan? God exalts him. By the way, I believe, of course, Jesus knows everything. I believe that story literally happened. This Samaritan takes there. And, and what does the Samaritan have to overcome to access this man's life and give him the help he needs? Prejudice. Only this time, he's the Samaritan. And the guy who's dying, probably, if he knew he was the Samaritan, will look up through bloody eyes and say, Don't touch me. But, but he, he's about to die. The Samaritan stops. He takes care of him. He takes him to an inn, tells the innkeeper, whatever it costs you to care for him, when I'm back through here, I'll pay it. And it reminds me that if I'm not willing to put aside my prejudices, access others' lives, and be a testimony for Christ, you know what? Here's here's one of the main points of the Good Samaritan. I'm a hypocrite. You know, by the way, I'm ungrateful because someone accessed my life, gave me the gospel, and I'm not willing to do it for somebody else. What is wrong with me? The flesh. Wrong thinking. We're going to meet a Roman centurion in heaven. In fact, I think we're going to meet several of them. But we're going to meet him Because God did the work in the heart of a soul winner who went up there, pushed all that aside, gained access, and then gave the gospel. And we're going to see how this man and his household are gloriously saved. Let me give you another little nugget. In that Gentile home, they're going to speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. reminds us of Acts chapter 2. What is the Lord doing with Cornelius? He's saying, what happened at Pentecost with the Jews? I want it to happen right here in this Gentile's home with all these brand new Christian Gentiles. And what's he saying? Everybody's on equal footing because they believed on me. And why did God send Peter? Who was given the keys to the kingdom? Peter. This is legit. By the way, Peter's in heaven. You have the keys now. How do they gain access to heaven? We gain access to them and we give them the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. May we be faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful text. Thank you for allowing us to see behind the scenes the work you had to do in Peter's heart. And sometimes, before we give the gospel, we need to just spend some time talking to you about our prejudices, our flesh, our fears. And Lord, we need to help you adjust our attitude and our perspective so that we're willing to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Thank you for saving us. Help us to be willing to be used to see others come to salvation. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened. And we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.